showtime. People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. Amsterdam became a rallying word in the minds of drug law reformers. So much change has come out of that small piece of real estate. We would, would never be as far ahead as we are in Congress. It was so revolutionary. It was such like a taboo topic. Social revolution needs fuel. If you don't believe it's a civil rights issue, then you don't believe in justice in America. The federal government went after Richard Lee, this beloved community member. Morning of the worst mass murder, the feds came in to shut down Oaksterdam University. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I'm talking with Dan Katzer. He is the writer and co-director of the new film American Pot Story Oaksterdam. It is the story of how pot became legal in California and really paved the way for parts of the rest of the United States. Be sure to go over to AmericanPotStory.com to see where the film is playing near you. Or, like he asked, if you know a good place where the movie can play, definitely reach out to them and to wherever that theater is. They are looking for some good venues. Hope you enjoy the interview. Before I even start to ask you about the movie, can you tell me a little bit about you and your career? Originally, I'm an Israeli filmmaker. I grew up half my life in Israel, half my life here in the U.S. My first and second grade were in the U.S., and I came to Israel, then we kept traveling, the family traveled. So I grew up in a lot of states in the U.S., finished my first degree in Israel, made a film there, called Out for Love Be Back Shortly, did pretty well, was on HBO, was narrated by Sasha Baron Cohen. Then I did a few other films, and now I'm making this film. Oh, along the way, I was in Israel also a paratrooper, an infantry officer. My military experience ended up becoming mostly a pacifist. <laughs> realized war is not the answer. I always said to myself, if I ever get out of this mess of the army alive, I really want to dedicate my life to do stuff that I care about and make movies about things, A, that I'm passionate about and about people who are trying to make the world a better place. So that's how I stumbled upon this story as well. Tell me about this whole Prop 19, because I think you already made a film about this. Legalize it? <laughs> yeah, so we made this film about Prop 19. That was the first time somebody tried to legalize marijuana. Sadly, Prop 19 failed, so it was a downer of a film. We followed them for a whole year. It started where a bunch of people had this idea they want to legalize marijuana. The issue is this. You can't get in America, you can't be on a ballot if you don't seem to be winning in the polls. You can't get the big money. And to pass stuff in a big state like California, the 10, 20, 30 million dollars. And because it was always the losing issue, marijuana, then nobody wanted to give the money. And then Richard Lee thought that maybe it's losing in the polls just because the polls are rigged. Because 
if somebody would call you in 2010, you didn't know, maybe it's the DA, maybe it's the FBI. So you would not say, yeah, I'm phoning up marijuana. He decided, I'm going to put the money and put it on the polls, even if, though it's not a winning issue yet. But I feel that this is something people care about. He put it, he didn't have enough money to get enough promotion to get the word out to. There was also a lot of people against him, I'm not going to lie. And it didn't succeed, but it came really close. So that inspired the next propositions all across the U.S. So today it looks, it's for people who are younger, who are not that aware, before 2010, the world was a different place. And then I fell in love with this world, so I decided I want to continue following it, and I want to follow these people. What my initial passion was less about the marijuana, more about changing the world, because it was weird. When they put that thing on the bill, I don't have it in the movie. I couldn't find that footage. It's been scraped out of the web. Everybody was making fun of them. All the media outlets were like, a bunch of stoners from California. They had this weird idea. And it seemed like a stupid idea of a bunch of stoners wanting to take something that was criminal and turn it to legal. But as the campaign started and as more awareness, people realized, wait, this is a lot more complicated. The issue is not that this plant was illegal. The issue is that there was a plant that was taken and used to arrest tens of millions of Americans. It was a way to control race. It was a way to arrest people of color. It was a way to break anti-war movements throughout the last 50 years. It was a way to fight the Vietnam War vets and protesters. So suddenly a lot of stuff came out and suddenly it started being less and less of a joke and a big social change. When do you say, okay, Prop 19 failed the first time, but now I'm going to go and go back to the same subject. I'm going to revisit this. Is this after they actually get it passed or how does this go? So what happened with it? They were really close. We made the film. We showed it in a few places, the initial version. I really wanted to film a social revolution, some kind of big social change. And I thought, oh, one year and social change happens. And what I learned is social change does not happen in a day. It takes a long time. I thought, okay, so 2012, that's when they're going to pass it. So it's another two years, and I'm just going to have to wait two years. But then they were raided by the federal government. So then the whole thing crashed. Then I was like, oh, my God. So maybe this is a story about how change happens where somebody has to hedge the beach. People have to actually lay on the mines. And so I was like, I got to see where this goes. You know, as a storyteller, but in a filmmaker, and just as any curious person, you follow a story you want to see where does this end i had this very successful documentarian he says i like to go to a story that i already finished and just collect archival because you never know when you start following a story he said never follow a story in real time you don't know if it's a year or two years or who knows 15 years and i made the mistake of following a story in real time and it took a lot longer than i expected <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about your co-director, Ravit, and how you met her? Ravit and I met a lot of years ago. I think I lectured on my first film at Tel Aviv University, and she was a student there, and I was a graduate. And I was showing the movie at the class of my film school teacher that kind of supervised the project. And, he's, and I said, if anybody ever comes to the U.S., give me a call. You're on advice and whatever. And then she called, and then we started working together. We made some films together. Basically, we became husband and wife, <laughs> and it took a lot of years. 
that's it. We continue both working together and making films together and uh, trying to challenge both ourselves and our audience to see things in new ways. When you work together, how do you divide up the work? With low-budget indie movies, everybody does everything. So um, I think she's a little more grounded. I'm a little more in the clouds. So she helps ground me, bring me back, trying, trying to bring me back. <laughs> she's mostly the producer. We both direct. I do most of the writing and videography. That's how we do it. <laughs> uh, Going back to this whole idea of following the story while it's happening in real time, how do you even balance that between all of the other projects that you work on? Because you've done a ton of films over the years. This one, I kept going back, kept texting the characters, kept reading, listening about them on the news. This was a little place in downtown Oakland. And Oakland, for people who don't live in California, they know it's not the big city. It's the big cities. California and San Francisco and San Diego. And Oakland is, it's not a tiny town, but it's a city that is next to the big cities. And it usually doesn't get all the respect it deserves. And it's seven hours away from us. So we had to drive every time seven hours. So that's one heck of a drive. <laughs> and you can't even fly there with today with all the regulations. It takes about eight hours to get there if you fly there. So it's Many times it's just faster to drive there. So we drove many days. Most of them, we filmed nothing because you never know. You never know. And also, at the, look, today is a different world. At the time, it was very scary to go both to because this, the marijuana was considered the most dangerous drug in America. I don't know. Even though there's a lot more dangerous drugs like meth and crack cocaine, in terms of the federal government, marijuana was public enemy number one. The other ones are not even on the schedule of drugs. It's not as high as marijuana. Marijuana seemed to be the thing that the government was the most, maybe because it's the most popular drug. But so they sometimes wanted to be filmed and then they had, they had their own suspicions. And also it took a while for them to trust us to open up their own hearts because they don't know who we are. Maybe we're working for the DA. Maybe we're working for the FBI. They don't know. You film enough years. Then, and we were there just after the raid. We didn't know that the raid happened. But once the raid happened, we came there the next day or after two days. So they started seeing there's no DEA or FBI agent who's going to follow somebody for 10 years, you know, <laughs> with a camera. No, they come for a few months. They don't have, the government doesn't have a budget for that kind of a project. Maybe if you're Al Capone, but not if you're a small group of people. But anyway, so we started following this small group of people and we noticed this is a little Mecca. This is the Mecca weed in America. And people aren't really aware of it, but this is the Mecca. This is where the, all the activists are coming to. This is where all the social justice people, and it's, they decided that they're standing up against the government and they didn't really have the money. They didn't have political connections. They're not in the big city. They're not at the power brokers in a big city. They're the the little group of activists in a relatively small city, and they managed to change marijuana policy, not just in California, but all over America and all over the world. So it was. And then one of the people from Oxford went to Israel actually for some marijuana conference in Israel. And I, so I had somebody in Israel go from them, and they was the people in Israel were saying to them, You guys, we know you guys, you changed the world. And it's not, I was like, I saw the footage later, they sent it to me. I was like, Wow. So, 
this little group of activists really managed to inspire so many people. And I think that's one of the beautiful things in America, that small group of activists can really make noise on really influence stuff. How do you decide this is the end of the story? Do you just say, okay, it's past, we're good? Or is there something else that says, all right, now we can finally put this whole thing together? That's a wonderful question. And it was a very hard question for us too, because there's a few storylines. One is the storyline of the main character. And the other one was a story of Oaksterdam. And the third one was about marijuana policy. Our film focused on Oaksterdam and the school and the main character, the woman who ended up being the executive chancellor of the school, the woman who runs the school. When we started, she was not, she was a very minor character within the school. She just, she joined the school because her boyfriend at the time was a teacher at the school. So she volunteered and she was willing to do everything. And, and then she was elevated to be, she was a person that was looking for something bigger than herself. She had been looking throughout her life and she did a lot of random jobs. And then she stumbled on this job in a tiny little, basically Richard Lee, the founder of Oaksterdam. He had this vision. I'll take it a little bit backward. He had this vision to create a school because he thought that schools throughout history from Socrates till today were always a way to create a thought revolution and to find activists and to instill your own ideologies and moralities and rules. So he decided, I'm going to do the same for marijuana. So he opened America's first pot school. And initially, everybody, the media did a few stories about them mocking them because they were like, what's a pot school? But then he started saying, let's start treating it as a legit business. And also let's start teaching the history of how marijuana was used to oppress people of color and people of race and people of different social means and so he was starting to educate people and a lot of people came and studied and he started building a whole small army of activists in Oakland around the school. And then he needed people, somebody to help him run it. So one of the teacher's girlfriends just became the volunteer who ran it. And we started following her when she was a young executive chancellor and a person looking for a cause. And she found this cause. She adopted this cause. And we wanted to see her maturity into full leaders. At the end of the movie, she goes and testifies in Congress. So then we were like, that's the end. She's moved from being somebody looking for a cause to becoming a full mainstream leader. Because if you go to Congress, that means, you know, you're legit. So we knew for her story arc, she had reached a pinnacle. I'm sure she's going to reach more pinnacles in her life. But I felt this is a pinnacle that is we're leaving in a positive note and showing you know, that uh, the beauty of the American system, that you can be somebody who takes a while to find your cause and your goal in life. But when you find it, and if you're dedicated, and if you're willing to put your heart on the, on the line, you can achieve stuff. Sometimes it can take a little more time, but you can get there. The woman you're talking about, Dale Sky Jones, yeah, she's amazing. And what happens when you show her and your other real protagonist, Richard Lee. What happens when you show them the final film? I want to hear what their reaction was. We had a, a small screening in Oakland just so she could show it to friends and family and whatever. She was like, I don't know how people will respond. And because, you know, she's sharing a lot of her life that people didn't know. And she was, over, and I think she realized, wow, that her story is just as important as Oaksterdam because 
as a life project because her story show gives hope to people. Maybe you didn't come from the best background. Maybe you didn't go to all the Ivy Leagues. Maybe you didn't even finish college because she didn't finish college. But you can find a cause. And once you take a cause and you decide, this is my cause, this is my purpose, then you can achieve really high barriers. You can break a lot of stigmas. Because maybe in the old world where it was more of a class system, in Europe or whatever, I don't know if somebody like Dale Sky Jones could achieve that high and go to testify in the House of Lords in England because you need to be a lord to be respected. And over here in the U.S., it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what your background is. Nobody cares where you were five minutes ago. They all care where are you now. And if now you're, you've made something of yourself, you're legit. So is Slam Dance, is that your premiere? Slam Dance was the premiere, and we had a sneak peek at the Oakland Film Festival, which was basically a, a wonderful festival, a local regional festival that we love. But it was more a sneak peek to show the movie to both to people in Oakland, but also to all the people were part of Dale's life and it was it was like capturing lightning in a bulk. Even the people in Oakland that knew Dale didn't know Dale and even people who thought they knew Oaksterdam, people came to me and said, Oh, we know Oaksterdam, but we didn't know Oaksterdam. So it was like shows us how little we know about our neighbors and friends and even you can live them and there was people who lived like a block from Oaksterdam. They didn't know anything about because America is so big and there's so many things happening and we just don't know. That's part of the culture here. What was the reaction to the film, both in Oakland and then especially in Park City? So in Park City, it was interesting because we actually teamed up with activists in Utah. Now, in Utah, marijuana is still illegal. So it was really interesting that they thanked Dale, they thanked Oaksterdam seeing the movie because they felt we are still 20 years behind California and this inspires us that we shouldn't give up. Just like Oakland paved the way for California, those activists feel they can pave the way for Utah. It's a complicated issue, but there's a lot of people who also need it for medical. There's people who have disabilities and people who have cancer, and it's hard for them too. And some people look, and some people use marijuana do it just for fun, and some people do it just to relax because they have all kinds of issues and all kinds of noise in their brain. And you know what? If it quiets your brain and it works for you, great. Some people, it's sugar. Sugar maybe is the most popular drug in the world and it's legal. Some people, it's caffeine. Some people, it's sleeping pills. Some people, it's alcohol. So who are we to judge? Utah, they basically have outlawed caffeine there, just about. <laughs> <laughs> That's what every Uber driver told me. <laughs> they said, marijuana, let's first talk about Coca-Cola. <laughs> But it is. But let's, listen, I think that's the beauty of America, that so many people... And look, when we went to film in Congress, and I'd never been to Congress. I was When I was a little kid, I just walked. I didn't remember just seeing buildings and statues. But now when I came to film, an activist coming to testify there, there was a whole line of activists before Dale also coming to testify on so many issues. People from Iowa and people from the court. And there's so many groups of activists on a daily basis coming... And you saw it's people like Dale that just come from someplace and they have some issue that is burning and it's like mind-blowing because we didn't go to the tourist route. We had to go from the other doors where the people who come to test it. And I thought, wow, it's like a movie where you see real people every day showing up in Congress because we see on the news only 
politicians and there's always review of the politician. We think everybody's corrupt, but we don't see all these hundreds and hundreds of activists every day going there. And yeah, there is corporate lobbyists who also have power, but we, the people also still have a lot of power and there's power in numbers and that still wins. Power in numbers still wins money. So it's just gathering enough people to start making change. And that's, for me, it inspired me because it's about anything. It's not just about marijuana. Anything we care about, if we manage to get the numbers, if we manage to pull together enough people and we manage to go to Congress and testify and bug our congressmen, we can change. That's the beauty of this country. With the name of the film, American Pot Story, colon, Oaksterdam, it feels like there are a lot of American Pot Stories that can be told. Is there any plan for a sequel to this? We're hoping, yeah. There's a lot. Over the years, we met so many amazing people, and each one has a different story in a different branch in a different state. And we filmed a lot of those people, so we're hoping we get a chance to tell a few more stories. So, yeah, that's one of our dreams because I think it's inspiring both about marijuana, but both about social change, because I've always been fascinated with social change. For me, it was also some kind of curing thing, because I keep seeing I'm a news junkie and listening to the news, and I listen both to the left and the right to try to figure out my own thoughts, because I feel we're getting a... This side has a, a one distorted perspective, that side has a different distorted perspective. I listen to both and try to make up my mind what's reality. It makes you feel that resistance is futile and that corporate America has taken over. They have the money and they can crush us like bugs and they can control everything. They control the merit narrative and they control the mainstream media. But every time going back to this group of hardcore activists and seeing they're not, they're like in their own little bubble and fighting and they're totally, they don't care about anything. It inspired me that there is still hope. The war is not lost. We can, we can still make the world a better place. So what's the future of the Oaksterdam movie? Where is it going to be playing? Is it still doing the festival run? It's a low-budget movie. Me and Ravid did most of the movie. We had amazing people who helped us. A lot of people helped us, actually. But we still had to do a lot of the heavy lifting. So we're hoping we'll get enough buzz within the festival realm and that hopefully we'll manage to find more collabor collaborators to bring it to the general audience. Because in today's world, without a lot of people helping, it's hard you can just get lost in the shuffle because there's just so much. There's so much content out there, so many streamers. A small movie can get lost. We managed to float long enough to that people will see it and be inspired. And inspired not just about changing marijuana policy, but changing whatever they want to change. You want to change something? Get your friends. Get more friends. Get your friends to get their friends. Put it on Facebook. Get more people out and change the world. Because only if we bug our governments, our local governments, our national government, if, if we manage to team up against corporations and they agree, only then will we manage to change our world and make it better. Because if they feel that we are giving up, they'll do whatever they want. So that's what I hope this movie will do. It will inspire people to change anything and everything that they feel needs to be changed because things need to be changed. And how about you and Ravid? What are you working on now? So Ravid is working on a few projects and I'm working on a few, but right now the movie she's finishing is a movie. She actually just got a grant by Women Make Films. It's about an Israeli paraplegic. She had a dream to go to the Olympics. It's a woman who was, she had an accident and her life could have been over, but instead she decided she wants to continue 
And she had this big dream to become an athlete and go to the Olympics. And the movie ends when she goes to the Tokyo Olympics. So she's finishing that. Hopefully that will come out next year. And we have a few other projects that are still in the wraps, but people should share them hopefully soon. So is the best place for people to keep up with the movie is at AmericanPodStory.com? Yep, AmericanPodStory.com, on Facebook, or just email us and ask us, when are we coming to your town? And even better, maybe help bring it to your town. Because we're a small project, we love any help we can get. And anybody that can help us bring it to anywhere, we will show up. <laughs> Dan, thank you so much for your time. This was so great talking with you. Oh, thank you for giving us the time. 